11. We'll be reading our verses there in just a moment. And uh, this is, at least in the Rethink series, our last message. I will assure you that when we get to the end of December and into January, we're going to continue to talk on, on faith and what it means to walk on faith for the new year. Um, but we've been using these last few weeks just getting our mind hopefully renewed and rewired to uh, think like kingdom people and access everything that was intended by God uh, to access those things in our life. I have a pastor friend, and maybe I should say an acquaintance, it might be, it might be better defined that way, a, a pastor acquaintance of mine who years ago was a great proponent of faith. For those of you that have hung around uh, our circles, full gospel or charismatic Pentecostal circles, you may be aware that, that uh, especially in the late 70s into the 80s, that the faith message was uh, one of those, uh, you know, upfront priority kind of messages that seemed to be coming out from every direction. And, and uh, he embraced the faith message. He was a great proponent of the faith message. And unfortunately, uh, through a tragic set of circumstances, had a close family member uh, that tragically passed away. And this family member passed away, I think if you were to know all of the details of the story, all of us would easily see that this family member passed away, not only tragically, but long before what most of us would consider their appointed time. And because of that event... Um, he became extremely discouraged about faith, extremely discouraged about even the faith message, and ended up throwing in the towel and just really refuses to talk much about faith anymore. I just want to share this with you. You will always have a story about tragedy because, because God doesn't suspend the rules of the earth curse automatically over all of our lives to where we never get a runny nose, to where we never get a cough, to where we never face challenges. You can't be an overcomer unless there's something to overcome. You can't be triumphant unless there's the possibility of losing. And I have come to the conclusion that I am not going to allow anecdotal stories or challenges in my life define what God's word says is true. And so we've got to, we've got to stand on what we know in God's word to be true. We all have stories. I'm sure all of us know stories that are similar to that. And people were wanting God to come through in some form or fashion, and it didn't seem like he came through. And it was incredibly disappointing. And so the greatest challenge you will ever face as a believer is to keep believing even when things aren't shaking out like you'd hoped. I personally decided that if the Bible says it to be so, then it should happen. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to change my theology, but I'm going to keep praying, I'm going to keep seeking, and I'm going to keep finding out why. Because truth of the matter is, the problem is not on God's side, it's probably on my side somewhere. And so uh, I just encourage you, as we've gone through this, don't allow one anecdotal incident to keep you from pursuing God and all that he would like to do in your life. You know, if you, don't, if, if, if you decide you're going to pitch it all in, you'll get sucked right back into the earth-curse system. 
And I've decided I'd rather live with a little disappointment in the kingdom of God than to have an assurity of outcome under the earth curse system. Are you following me? All right, I'd rather see those glimmers, those moments of incredible, miraculous things. And I'll live with a few questions, but I already know what the world system can give to me. So we want to just finish up, and I want to share some things with you. And I want God to be involved in your financial situation. Um, I really do. I, I want you. You may not want this for your neighbor. You may not want this for your friends or your fellow believers, but I want this for you. I want you to be blessed. I want you to prosper. I want that for you. I want God to do incredibly big things in your life because money is a big part of all of our lives. And this morning, I want everyone just to, just to put your defenses down. I've received the offering. I'm not taking another offering. I'm not going to sneak another one in on you. I, 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 I'm not priming you for something that's going to happen a week or two from now. I probably will be talking about our building project at the end of January, the beginning of February. So just so you know, I will be talking about it probably in that time frame. But that's plenty of time for you to forget everything I'm going to tell you this morning. So no gimmicks. No switches that are coming to you. I want to sow something in you this morning that is kingdom precept that will be effective in your journey, no matter if you're here, if the day comes when you feel like you ought to go to another church, if you get transferred out of here and go somewhere else, I want to put something inside of you that isn't just for one offering, but it's for your life. I mean, are you tired? I don't know about you. I'll say it out loud. I am tired of offering gimmicks. I mean, I do watch Christian television, and if you ever watch Christian television... I love Christian television. I understand they've got, they've got to raise money for a budget to keep it operating. I get it. I've given money to Christian television. I've given money to ministries that are Christian television. So hear what I'm saying. I, I, I'm not against what's going on, but I am tired. I, I'm up to here being gimmicked in the kingdom of God. You know, somebody reads out of Isaiah. They read Isaiah 62, 13. And God told him that if you'll give $62.13, God will... Can we just go yuck together? What it does is it makes legitimate teaching on this subject hard to receive. Because we all become skeptical. And we all become cynical. Because we say, to, we say to ourselves, what are they, I, I know what they're, they're trying to get in my billfold is what they're trying to do. Can I just share this with you? I want the real deal in my life like all of you want the real deal in your life. So I want you to listen to me. And in the future, as opportunity arises to give, to tithe, to release offerings, I want you to think about what I'm sharing this morning. Please connect the dots this morning. Please listen to me this morning and don't take notes, stuff it in your Bible and never think about it again. Because if that's what you do with what I'm going to share with you this morning, then you will for the rest of your life be impoverished and not understand how God wants and desires to get involved in all of our financial situations. And so I'm going to talk to you this morning about releasing and receiving. Releasing and receiving. I'm going to be as practical as I know how to be. And that's... I mean, I like talking, you know, theory and sometimes even 
technical biblical stuff. I kind of like that on occasion, but that doesn't help you. We got to get, where does the rubber meet the road? I mean, I need to understand how God gets in my checkbook. So releasing and receiving, Mark's gospel, chapter 11, verse 20. It's, we all should know what's going on right now. Jesus cursed a fig tree because it wasn't producing fruit. 24 hours later, it had dried up. The disciples are amazed. And it says in the morning, verse 20, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Jesus got 24-hour results. Amen. How many of you would like some 24-hour results? I would personally like a few 24-hour testimonies, personally. He tells them how, verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, we spoke on that, whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, or in other words, has total confidence, but believes that those things he says, in other words, you've opened your mouth, will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, listen, believe that you, what? Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Releasing and receiving. Now, there are two things, I believe, that plague almost every believer when it comes to faith. Number one, I believe I put it on the screen overhead. It's how to release their faith in a specific way for a specific need. It's not that you haven't heard this before. It's not that this is some new concept, but it's the one you struggle with. How do I release my faith in a specific way in order that the need that I have, which is specific, can be met? Can you help me with that? I believe that's a struggle that a lot of people face. Number two, the second area of struggle is how to receive their answer before they ever see it in the natural. How do I receive? If I, if I believe that I receive, what does that mean? How do, I, how do I receive it when I haven't got my fingers on it yet? Now, let's just, let, we're being honest this morning. Has anyone besides me ever wrestled with those two areas, or at least one of those two areas? How do I, how do I specifically release my faith, and how do I receive something before I even see it? Jesus said here that I just read to you in our text, that you will have what you say, or in other words, you'll have what you pray, if you believe, he said, you must exercise your faith. So he says, you'll have what you say if you, number one, believe, and secondly, if you'll receive. So if I, if I believe right, and I receive right, then I will begin to have what it is that I've spoken or what it is that I've prayed for. Now, to understand this, I, I'm going to have to read some other passages here to get the fullness of this. If you have your Bibles, flip over to the book of James. Hopefully we'll have some of these on the screen as well. The book of James, chapter 2, verse 17. James 2, beginning with verse 17. Listen very carefully because I'm going to fill in some blanks and then I'm going to walk through something really, really practical. James 2.17, it says this. Thus also faith by itself, 
if it does not have works, is what? Now, that's a very important verse because, you see, you can believe the right stuff. But if you don't act out of that belief, then it does you no good. That's what he's saying. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. How many of you know that devils are orthodox today? Yeah, sure, Satan's probably more orthodox than most Christians. He spent all those years hanging around God. So he believes the right stuff, but the right stuff didn't translate into proper action. Verse 20, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead, question mark? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Verse 22, listen to this. This is another underlinable passage. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect, or perhaps even a better translation would be faith was made complete. So faith, here's how I like to put it, faith has to have a corresponding action. In other words, you can't say you believe something without that something that you believe having a, a, a work or a corresponding action that begins to take place in your life. See, faith is not faith unless there's an action associated with it. That's what James is saying. He's saying you just can't walk around saying, well, yeah, I believe in God. I know lots of people on a simple level that say they believe in Jesus as the Son of God. They believe that he died on the cross. They believe he rose again. But everything about their life is exactly the opposite of that truth. And it does them no good. You see, you must not just believe what the Word says, but once you believe it, there must be a working together with an action. In fact, the word working together in verse 22 is actually where we get our our English word synergism from. For those of you that don't know what synergism is, synergism is the harmony or the cooperation that comes when two things work together. So faith and action has to work together. In other words, you see, Peter in the boat could have looked at Jesus walking on the water and said to all the disciples, oh yeah, I believe, I believe you can walk on the water. Oh yeah, I thoroughly believe that. And yet he could have still sat in the boat, right? When did the faith become effective? When he got up off the blessed assurance and he stepped over the side, you see, that's when faith became effective. You just can't sit there and say, yeah, I believe everything the Bible says, but never put into motion something. You're following me. So faith without some, some corresponding action cannot be complete. It cannot work harmoniously. Otherwise, one or the other is absolutely dead. There are people right now who are trying to work their way into heaven. Well, you can't work your way even into heaven. That's dead works. That's dead. But then faith, faith is something that has to have a cooperating belief. In other words, if you believe and you trust in Christ, you literally, you literally have to begin to put your life in his hands. So we could spend a whole hour on that one, but we can't do that. Now, go over to Luke's gospel. I want to read one more thing. I'm just, I'm putting 
some foundational concept inside of you. Luke chapter 6, I want to read verse 38, and this is, this is just to help you put a couple things together before we get to a real practical application. Luke 6, 38, it says this, give and it will be given to you. Now that ought to make sense right now, right? Because if you want something to come your direction, what does the scripture tell us? You've got to do something. So in other words, if you release something, then it can and will come back to you. Give, and it will be given to you. Listen, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. It's really interesting because some of your versions will actually say, will men put in your bo- uh, into your bosom? Uh, what it means here is, is that, yes, you will give, and it will be given back to you, but we all realize that when we do something in the financial realm that we want God to respond to or to bless, unless it's happened to you, I have never had dollar bills fly in from the sky. Have you? I've, ne- I've never had God drop money just from the ceiling. Why is that? It's because there's no money in heaven, right? God doesn't need money. He, he builds streets with gold. So what he does is, as as we begin to step and move in faith, he moves on the hearts of others, and he works his will in the earth through people. So, So will men, or will they, put into your bosom, and then it says, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So this verse is about giving and receiving. It's about releasing something and receiving something. It tells us a lot about how faith is going to be released in a biblical way so we can receive our answer. Now, I know for many people what they're saying is, get ready, the money part's coming. Listen to me. I want you to hear me out. I have, I have two, two pieces of currency here. I have a $20 bill and I have a $1 bill. These are currency. It's what we call money. Now, I want you just to think with me for just a moment. If, if I were to suddenly ask you, let's just say I'm talking to you personally, and I were to say to you that I want you to come up here and, and you get your choice over which bill you would like to take with you. Now, unless, now unless you are absolutely out to lunch, I know the human heart would move towards my right hand. You'd say, I want that $20 bill. Now think about this for just a moment. Both of these bills are paper, right? Same paper, right? Same ink. Has a different president's face on it. Has numbers. It has pictures. But in and of itself, it's, it, they're both the same. It just has ink and paper and, and some pictures but one has the number 20 on it and one has the number one on it. Can I just say to you that in and of itself, this stuff is worthless. It's paper. I mean, I mean can I just say that if I held up a $1 uh, a bill of Monopoly money and a $20 bill of Monopoly money, it's just paper, it has ink, it has some pictures on it. But if I were to say, which one would you want? I want to bless you. You'd go, Pfft. sorry about that, I'm spitting in my mic. 
You'd, you'd, you'd say, no, 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 no. Now understand, the value of these things, the value of these things comes because you've been conditioned to believe it has value. Now, let's just be honest. What this really, you know, in ancient days, they didn't have currency like this. In ancient days, what they did was they barter, right? And what we would do is, let's say, let's say you were good with work, uh, woodworking, and another person was good with, uh, uh, you know, what, what's another something... Goats, yeah, they have goats. So one's a farmer and one's a, one's a carpenter. Well, the farmer with his goat or his goat milk would come up and say, I'll give you X amount of goat milk if you'll come work on my roof. And you would barter or make this, this, this uh, exchange. So I don't know how, how many gallons of goat milk would be worth a roof, but you would negotiate that out. And the one guy would get the goat milk and the other guy would get his new roof. Now, it became evident very, very quickly that, that a society or a culture couldn't do that for long. So what we did as human beings was we created a monetary system. So what this $20, bills really, $20 bill really represents is, is, not, is not something of value because it's a piece of paper. But what it represents is maybe your time. Or maybe it represents your expertise. Are you following me? Or maybe it represents your intelligence. Maybe it represents a product. That's what it represents. But all of us, what we did was we just threw our confidence into an economic system that instead of, of you having to bring you know, groceries and chickens and hogs and slaughter your cows so pastor can eat this week, we've decided to use a monetary system which we all subscribe value to but really all we've done is, is that we've just sort of made it simp more simple to barter. Are you with me? Now, you agree with me? Okay. This is why this, this if, if you're upset with somebody talking about money, I'm really not talking about this because it's valueless. What I'm talking about is everything there is about you because... You get this because you labor at it. Maybe you're smart and, and because you have expertise, you get it. But, but all of us get this a certain way. Now, when it comes to releasing, God says you got you to gotta release something in order to get something. Now, here's where we get all twisted. Because we think, we think if, we just, if we do little bitty things here and there, or, 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 you know, or maybe we help a little old lady across the street, or... Or, uh, you know, we just, we just do some activity that, that that's good before God. Listen to me. The reason, money, the reason money has a significant place, I believe, in people's lives as well as in the kingdom of God is because it represents just about anything. It represents everything you do, everything another person does. And this becomes really the way we negotiate through life and even in the kingdom. When, when the Lord begins to talk to us about, is everything mine? And we go, sure, Lord, everything's yours. But we don't want to give up the dollar, then it really isn't all his. Are you following me? Because, you see, you can't say, yeah, it's all yours. I give you my life. This, this, this. It's like the goat farm. Yeah, the whole goat farm's yours, Lord. But they don't get, he doesn't get any of this, even though this represents what the goats do. So it's very important you get this in your mind because when it comes time to release something that's why so often it boils down to these pieces of paper when i release my finances i can use it with my faith to see needs met 
not only in the financial realm, but I can begin to see needs met in whatever realm. Let's say I need a car. I need some wheels. I'm not talking about, don't get, I'm not talking about a Lexus or a Mercedes. I just need to get to work. Just a yeah, quality car, get to work. Well, I can release money, and listen to me, if, if I release finance, God can do this any one of a number of ways. Number one is he may give me some money in order to go buy a quality car that can get me to work. Or you, you understand he could just provide the car somehow. Are you following me? So this transacts on several levels. Now, if that's not clear, hopefully as I go through the, the practical application, it'll become more and more clear to you. Oh, remember when I told you the story? When Trace released $250? And she got what out of that? A job that provided $25,000 a year. So you see, her releasing this didn't rain $25,000 on her. But when she released this, God opened up a door and provided an opportunity for 100-fold of what she released to come to her. It was still used by this. So is everybody kind of following? I know I'm, maybe I'm belaboring the point. Forgive me. I'm trying to change you forever. All right. I want to walk you through a process now. Keeping these things in mind. My faith must work with something. And I must release something in order to receive something. I want to walk this through, and I want to explain to you the process. In fact, I'm going to use a story that happened to me just in the last couple months to show you how this works, how you release your faith, and you receive what you are needing from the hand of God. Now, Philippians 4.19, some of you have this verse memorized already. Philippians 4.19 says this. And my God, let's just all say it together. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let's say it one more time. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So can we settle it this morning that if you have a legitimate need, God wants to meet it. Now that's his word. Now I'm not... I'm not I'm not making this sound some way so it fits me. That's his word. If there's a legitimate need. Now, probably what I need to teach on sometime is defining your need and want. You know, there's a lot of things we want that we subscribe to need and it ain't need. I don't have time for that. It's a legitimate need. How do I do this? How do I release my faith in order that I can receive from the hand of God that will meet that need. Number one, you ought to, if, if, if all you're doing is memorizing this, then I'm just saying you're going to live in the earth curse system. You need to get this somehow in your system. Number one, you've got to identify what it is you have need of. Specifically, what is it that you have need of? Think of all the accounts in the Bible about the Lord blessing people, and you will see that he blessed them out of a need. The reason the 5,000 were blessed with lunch one day is because they needed to eat, right? So the loaves and fishes, when they came to him, they were meant to feed a crowd that was hungry that had to be fed. When there was some gold in the mouth of a fish, do you remember that story that the disciples got a fish with a gold coin in it? Do you remember what the need was? 
taxes. They had to pay their taxes. Do you remember what the need was when the prophet Elijah came to the widow woman who, uh, who met him and uh, she was in a desperate situation? Do you remember what that desperate situation was? She was going to die because there was a famine and she was running out of food. And so I could take you all through the scriptures and I could show you how God responds to need. You must identify your need. God won't prosper you just so you can have comfort and cushions. He prospers, listen to this, it's important. He prospers you in order to not only meet your need, but he wants to fulfill his purposes in your life. He wants his kingdom purposes to flow through your life into the earth. So, so when God moves for you, it may meet your need, and praise God for that, but ultimately God wants to work in your life for his glory and his kingdom. Now, I decided I was, if I was going to teach this, I wanted an up-to-date story. So a couple months ago, there was a need that arose. Now I'm going to tell you how this worked. It wasn't even a personal need. I decided that, Lord, I, I, I need a test tube to go to the people with, because we'd been listening to some things and, and our faith was being enlarged and encouraged. And I, was, I wanted, as you know how when you do a scientific examination, you have to have sort of like a, like a pure room. You can't have a defiled room. So I wanted, I wanted a pure uh, test tube situation. The church, this church, this local church, had a need. And it's need, you didn't know about it. You don't know, you don't know about three quarters of the needs we have on, an, on a regular basis. But it had a need that was coming up. That was $2,500. Now, truth of the matter is, that, that need could have been met in probably a dozen different ways. But I decided I was going to use that need, a legitimate need in the life of this local church, that I was going to step into and I was going to believe God that he would give me a story to begin to tell you so that you could see that it just doesn't work for preachers. It's not just because... It's, you know, you're special and I'm not, but that, that this is how he wants to do. So there's this $2,500 need for the church. And I knew it was pure because I wasn't going to gain off it. It had nothing to do with me gaining personally. It had everything to do with his church. All right? So, so that's the need, number one. Number two, I'm going to keep this story going. Hang on. Something must be released in order to receive. The text I read to you out of Luke said, give... And it shall be what? Given to you. People are waiting on God before they do something. I've heard this for years. Well, if God, if you just prosper, prosper me, I'd tithe. That's not how it works. Are you following me? We, we, we always say, if you, God, I will. That's how we want it to work, but it doesn't work that way. You can't say, if you, I will. God says, if you, I will. All through the Bible, that's what it says. So you... You want God to move. Well, God wants to move too, but, but God's waiting on you to put something in motion that he can begin to work with. You must release something first, then God moves. Faith demands an act in order for it to be faith. And when you release that something, the Bible said, James says, it completes our faith, or what I believe is even better, it enlivens our faith. Because faith without works is dead. Well, faith without works is dead, then faith with a corresponding action is enlivened. Or, 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 or it suddenly lights up. 
So I knew, so I knew in this $2,500 need, I knew that I would have to release something. So, you know, it wasn't the church releasing anything, it was me. I decided I was going to release something in order to meet that particular need. Well, you say, well, pastor, what did you release? Did you just go calling more? No. Did you study longer? No. Did you read your Bible more? No. I pulled out a checkbook. I knew that I was going to have to see because that because this represents potentially anything that I need to see met. It could be used for anything. And so I pulled out the checkbook. Hang on. Number three. You've got to release what it is you're giving to kingdom. I put down kingdom appropriate ground. There are a lot of worthy things to give to in, in the earth. And I'm not suggesting they aren't worthy to give to. But when you're functioning in the kingdom and you're wanting God to begin to move in your finances, now a lot of times I've given out of compassion. In other words, if I go by the Salvation Army bell ringer, it's not unusual for me to put something in to the bucket. Now, I understand what's going on there, and I appreciate the Salvation Army. I might give something to the Red Cross. I might give something to feed the kids all over the world. I might do these things because we need to be compassionate people. But listen to me. I'm talking about how do you begin to access the kingdom so things can begin to be released to you. And one of the things we've got to realize is that the soil must be appropriate for kingdom harvest. You see, the widow who had just a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour had to release that to Elijah. Elijah represented appropriate ground, kingdom ground, for that widow to sow into. The boy who had the five loaves and two fishes had to release that lunch to Jesus. And so a lot of times we release things every which way and we don't understand why God isn't working. And you've got to be very sensitive and ask yourself, is this kingdom appropriate ground? Now, listen, I have sowed to TV ministries. I've already told you that already. I've sowed to missionaries all over the world. And we all understand that the tithe, the Bible already tells us where the tithe goes. The tithe goes to the storehouse. But we've got to begin to be discerning about where we're releasing, especially intentionally, our finances. Because because we need to release that with some sense of confidence, into good soil. Because I believe God multiplies things out of kingdom-appropriate soil. You can't, you see, otherwise this can be convoluted. You can start giving your kids their allowance and saying, I'm believing God for great things here as I give you your allowance. That's convoluted. Now, they may need an allowance, and that may be a way you teach them about money. Nothing wrong with an allowance. But you've got, you can't make this convoluted just to fit what you want to do. It's got to go to kingdom appropriate ground. And and so what I did was it was my checkbook. I wrote the check and, and I knew that this was, it was good ground. It was, it was legacy. I didn't tell anybody. The only person that knew was my wife. And in this particular instance, now understand I've sowed into other ground as well, but in this particular instance, I sowed it into the life of this local body. So that's what I did with that check. Number four. Determine the measure you're going to use. Now this is really, really critical because the Bible says, for with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I've seen for years, it doesn't happen so much anymore, but years ago when we were growing up, we used to, ha- we used to gather things up for missionaries and send them to the mission field. 
And we'd box clothes and all sorts of things to send to the mission field. And I would be amazed how people, oh yeah, they'd clear their closet out of every junky piece of clothing they have. And they'd bring their junky old clothes and their junky old suits, and they're going to send it to the missionaries, you know, over there in a third world country. Well, don't you think in a third world country they have plenty of junky stuff already? And then they do it, and the whole time they're doing it, I'm believing God for you. Well, by the same measure you use, get ready for some junk coming your way. See, I know how people are. They, they get their dollar bill out, and they crumple it up, and they throw it in the offering plate. Hallelujah, God's going to make me a millionaire. Do you really think that? Now listen to me, if it's your last dollar, I'll buy that. If it's your last dollar, he may well. But for most of us, the reason we don't see more coming our direction is because of the measuring we do when we release. How do I know the measure to use? You say, well, pastor, how do you know? You, here, let me just tell you this story as I'm doing this. I knew that for a $2,500 need and where I was at, it was going to have to be in the hundreds of dollars. Now, it, it was, I, I'm thinking maybe it was $250. I felt like that's what I needed to sow in order for God to move for $2,500. Now, you can automatically see, as I begin to share the story, that probably $1 to a million ain't going to work until you're ready to do $250 for $2,500. So, so I did that. In fact, you recall the time, I mean, we've already told these stories, when we only had $232 in our checkbook and we released it because it wasn't enough to meet the need, so it must be your seed. And then God sent back nearly $1,500. Now, now I'm, I'm throwing out these numbers so we, so we come to kingdom reality. Because kingdom reality is not I'm going to tip God or throw my buck in and think he's going to send me thousands of dollars. By the same measure you use, Where's faith? You see, faith's got to enter into this somewhere. Until, until it begins to stretch. You see, a buck doesn't stretch me. I mean, I blow a buck. I mean, I'll add a few extra bucks to the tip. Just to be a nice guy. I mean, a dollar doesn't... Now, I'm not saying it doesn't stretch some people because it, you may be in that place. But I'm just saying when it comes to, to giving, there has to be a, a faith measure in that. So, so I wrote the check off, and I think it was for 250 and um, about 24 hours later, I felt like the Holy Spirit was messing with me. And it was almost like he was saying, are you sure that's the measure you want to use? I thought, oh, come on, Lord. I mean, I'm not, I mean you know what I'm making. You know what's in the bank account. And, and you know, I, hey, can I just be honest with you? I go through the same acrobatics you do. Oh, that can't be the Lord. That's just probably that spaghetti I ate. That's... Lord wouldn't ask me to do that. He wouldn't ask me. He wouldn't do it. Yes, he would. So I told Trace I had to get the checkbook out again, and I wrote a second check for that same amount of money. I wrote it again because I'd opened up my big mouth, and I said I wanted to teach the people something. You know, If I'd have just not said it was going to be a teaching assignment, I'd have probably got out of that second check. Now listen, I want, you to, I want you to keep this story in your mind now. So what's pastor done? I had to write off two checks because I didn't think the measuring cup was good enough on the first one. Now listen. Number five. I literally transferred that gift from one kingdom to another. 
Now, I already mentioned this before in a previous lesson, but remember when I told you how how the boy handed Jesus the five loaves and the two fishes, and that Jesus, the, the, the word is very clear, it says that he laid his hands on it and he blessed it. Now the question is, why did he bless it? Is it because you're supposed to say grace before a meal, and that's just what all good Christians do? I believe that Jesus literally transferred the government that that lunch was originally in, to move it over into the kingdom where that lunch needed to be because the kingdom is the only thing that can multiply a lunch. You're following me, right? You don't, don't, I'm just telling you, don't, don't think Wall Street's going to multiply your lunch. Have we, have we learned that lesson now? Have we learned the lesson that, that, that this system, this earth curse system, I mean, there may be a moment where people multiply. Usually they're in a Ponzi scheme, but there, but there may be some multiplication. But are, are you not aware that just as quick as it can multiply, it can multiply right back to nothing? And so what did I do? I took those checks and I laid my hands on these checks. Now I'm telling you, you can do this in your car before you walk in every Sunday. I laid my hand on those checks and I began to pray, Lord, I take this money out of the earth curse system and I transfer transfer it and I consecrate it into the kingdom of God and for its purposes. The earth curse system cannot multiply this, but in the kingdom this can be multiplied. Multiply it, multiply it according to your word. Now you can think that's silly, you can blow it off. You don't have to do it if you don't want to do it. But just understand, you'll get what this earth curse system will give you. I want to see what the kingdom can do. And so that's what I did. I literally did that back in the back. So I've begun, every time I give an offering, Now I've begun to lay my hands on it. Now I may not always do this on Sunday morning. And whether or not I do this on Sunday morning doesn't mean you shouldn't do it all the time. Put your hand on it and transfer. Transfer your tithe out of the earth curse system and into the kingdom. Remember when I said that some of us are still giving legally? Some of us have tithed for so many years that it's just what we do. And I'm glad for your obedience. And I'm glad that it's second nature to you. But you need to knock the familiarity off your tithe even and begin to say, Lord, this is being transferred into the kingdom so that the windows of heaven can be opened. That the curse can be taken off and the devourer can be rebuked and you can pour me out a blessing that I'll not be able to contain. It won't happen over here, but it will happen over here. You following me? Transfer it. Transfer it. Number six. Now be specific in its assignment. Every time we read in the Bible of people giving, it was for a specific assignment and a specific blessing. Now, whenever we tithe, because the tithe has been designed according to the word, the tithe has been designed in order to keep the storehouse, or what we now know as the local church, to keep that operating. The tithe is the operating monies of a local church pays the bills you turn on the lights you have air conditioning or heat and all the things curriculum needs there's all sorts of things that the tithe is used for and so uh that's its assignment in order to do that offerings can be released for various ministries various things but we need to begin to be more specific because faith needs something specific 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What is it that you're hoping for? Because faith has to get a deed or a title to what it is you're hoping for. Now, I'm just not hoping for this nebulous, misty, foggy stuff. See, some of us are like this. We want a blessing, but have you defined your blessing? You, you see, when you give and you just say, well, Lord, I just need a blessing. Well, okay, well, he may, he may as you're walking out of church, let someone pass you by down the road and say, hey, you're looking good. Well, that was a blessing, wasn't it? Are you with me? I mean, he can bless you in a thousand different ways. I'm just simply suggesting that your assignment should begin to be specific. Now, let me just kind of delineate because people get confused here. The difference between designating your offering and assigning your offering. You see, we've often talked about designated offerings. You know, we'll receive offerings for the building program or we'll receive offerings for missionaries or for a guest speaker. And, and, and we designate our offerings in order to go to that guest speaker. So a designation is directing where your giving is going. In other words, I'm directing that it, I want it to be used for this. I put tithe in the memo, so I want it to be used for the tithe in the local church. We had a guest speaker, and I put guest speaker because I want it to be used there. That's, that's how we designate. This is not designation. This is assignment. Assignment, put it on the screen, guys. Assignment is believing where your blessing is to manifest. Are you getting this? So I believe that even on your tithe, because the tithe has a blessing associated with it. It says that he'll rebuke the devourer, he'll take the curse off the land, he'll open up the windows of heaven that you might be blessed. I'm saying that even on the tithe, as you obediently release the tithe, it says unto the Lord, but you can begin to assign where it is, maybe in your life, you're needing a blessing. So I wrote, I wrote the check, actually I wrote two checks, remember? And, and in order that no one would know what I'm doing, I, I, put, I put a little code. I told, I told the Lord what the code was, though. And, 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 I, and I put it out there in order that it would be assigned to meet the $2,500 need that it was that I was believing God for. And so I did that. I did that on the first check, and I did that on the second check. Now, this wasn't my tithe. In this instance, this was just over and above my tithe. But, but I, I did this twice. Because I wanted to see if what I knew to be true would happen, and I wanted an up-to-date testimony to be able to share with you. You say, well, what did you do next? Well, number seven, I began to thank God out loud for the manifestation of the blessing. You've got to begin to thank God before you ever see something come into your life. People want to know how to release their faith. And can I just tell you one of the best ways to release your faith is when before God moves for you, you begin to thank him in advance. You begin to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing this in my life. Thank you for, for bringing this into my life. You must be grateful. You know how if God were to suddenly meet your need somehow and uh, you were to receive it, and you know how grateful you would be at the moment that you got it? Let's say you had a hospital bill that you were needing to pay and they were pressuring you, but all of a sudden God somehow moved and took care of the bill. How grateful would you be at that moment? Think about that and now translate that to the moment you release something and get that spirit of gratefulness on you. That's why Jesus was so irritated with those lepers when he healed them and they went their way. Well, it says as they were going their way, they were healed. That they didn't have the spirit of thanksgiving on them. 
Thanksgiving can begin to release your faith. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, many people do not understand this verse. Thessalonians 5.18, it says, uh, in everything, it says, uh, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And many people think what that means is, is that no matter what situation you're in, you're supposed to thank God that you're in the situation. That's not what that means. In other words, if you're lying on your deathbed and some disease is eating you up, God's not saying, well, be thankful. Be thankful that you're dying ahead of your time. Be thankful that they're running up bills. Be thankful that you're in pain. Be thankful. That's not what God's saying. God's saying you've got to get to the place that despite your circumstances, you've got to begin to thank him that his word is true no matter what the circumstance is. So in everything, I can give thanks. If I'm poor, I can give thanks because a blessing will happen to me. If I'm struggling at work, I can still give thanks that a door will open and he'll give me a new job. I can begin to say, thank you. Thank you. So I began to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the need is met. Thank you, Lord, that it's done. It's completed in Jesus' name. You're going to do this in an amazing, over-the-top way. And I I just let it go. Number eight. Your expectancy demonstrates that you've already received it. How do you demonstrate expectancy? I do it by my confession. Thank you, Lord, that today my blessing is moving my direction. I don't know where it's at. I don't know how it's going to come. But what I'm believing you for is coming my way. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you're moving behind the scenes somehow, some way in order to bring good into my direction. You see, expectancy is anti-doubt vaccination. I'll say that again. Expectancy is anti-doubt vaccination. When Peter stepped out of the boat, he expected to walk. Only sank when he began to see his circumstances around him. Are you following me? So your expectancy is what begins to maintain your confidence and break out of doubt. This is where legalism and skepticism and cynicism will dry up what God wants to do and be in your life. Just look at it. Just just do a practical evaluation. I have never seen a skeptic, a cynic, or a legalist get much from God. Why is it? Because they're walking around saying, it'll never happen, it'll never happen, I don't believe it, I don't get it, oh, there's no way, that's a bunch of hooey, hey, and look at their life. If you died, see, if you died, if you died to all the disappointments and all the things you thought you should have and you didn't get, listen, we can begin to put our expectancy up there. We got to get our expectancy back up again. You got to break your fears and you got to break your disappointments. And, you gotta, and how do you do it? By just challenging those thoughts. By speaking it out of your mouth. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That $2,500 is coming. It's going to come in a marvelous, miraculous way. Hallelujah. And I just started making myself say that. You say, well, you must have felt like it. No, I didn't. I just wrote off two checks. I did not feel like that's what I needed to say. But I just, Lord, I'm going to keep, just keep my expectancy up there. Number nine. Now you've got to be open to opportunities that God will give to capture the blessing. Luke 6.38, I already mentioned to you, give and 
they will put into your bosom. Give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall they give into your bosom. So money isn't going to fall from the sky, but that somehow, someway, God is going to use people. Somehow, someway. He will use people. He may open a door for a job. He may open a door for something else. He may do this. I, you know, he can do it a hundred different ways. But be open to how God might do that. You know, sometimes he'll increase your business opportunities. I'll just tell you businessmen, sometimes if you'll get this in your spirit, you can begin to release things and all of a sudden your phone will start to ring for more business. Some of it has to deal with more sales and, and, and bringing things to closing. Sometimes it has to deal with bonuses. Sometimes there's extra commissions. For me, I, I, I'll tell you, I've been practicing this and as soon as we began to practice some of these things, all of a sudden publishers called me. Are you following me? All of a sudden, people open doors. It's not all just dropping money in your lap. When Peter got blessed with two boatloads of fish, which almost broke all of his nets, his blessing came while he was working. Jesus didn't drop fish from the sky. They were out working diligently. They were frustrated, didn't know what to do, but all of a sudden Jesus walks up and he tells them to make one simple correction and they pull in more fish than they know what to do with. That's how their blessing came on that particular instance. Now let me give you the end of the $2,500 story here. I did all the things the Lord was telling me to do. I wanted a fresh example to be able to share with all of you. In 48 hours, listen to this, in 48 hours, now, again, remember, I didn't write this for myself. This isn't coming to me. This, this isn't something to enlarge me. I wanted a pure test tube at this point. It's not that I don't think it wouldn't work for me. I just wanted to make sure everyone understood it was a pure test tube. So I gave it. I was believing it for the church. And in 48 hours, listen to this, an unexpected check came in the mail for $5,000. That was in 48 hours. Now, Man, I was going, wow. I mean, I was excited, man. I was ecstatic. Hey, man, can you, get, can you get excited for something that's not you? See, because I wasn't running this down to my bank account. I mean, this was church stuff here. But you got to get excited for something other than you. And I thought to myself, whoa, that's, that's two times what I had believed for. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And the Spirit of God said, do you know why there's 5,000 here instead of 2,500? It's because you wrote two checks. Are you getting it? I got double-minded, and out of that double-mindedness, God still blessed me. No, actually, he was trying to get me to see some things. The Lord was showing me he could be trusted. My sweet Jesus, I'm assigning everything these days. I'm assigning this for that. I'm assigning. I'm a, I, I told Trace, we're going to have to get a book of assignment now. So I can keep track of where I've assigned everything. Hear me, this, I'm, not, I'm not taking up an offering this morning. I'm not, I'm not going to give you a next chance so everybody pulls up. I'm trying to get something into you that will go the rest of your journey. No gimmicks, no tricks. It's just a biblical way to begin to access 
the kingdom of God. Listen, I was reading, and I'm going I'm to close with all of this. This is my first closing, by the way. I was reading the other day about David. You, you all remember David and how he had the word to be king, and, 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 and he served Saul, and it probably looked like he was going to transition into the kingdom by serving Saul, but it didn't work out that way. Saul got jealous, throws spears at him, drives him out to the caves of Adullam. And here he is in the caves of Adullam. And, and, and the Lord brings to him 400 that the Bible says were distress, debt, and discontent. Isn't that a great group to start with? I call them the 3D group. They were in distress, they were in debt, and they were discontent. And this is who David got to start out with. And yet it's interesting, because I won't go through the whole story, but within 15 years, something happened in that group, David and the rest of that group, that enabled them to not only come into the kingdom, that not only positioned them in, in, in jobs and positions of great influence, but I was reading the other day, and I didn't get this until rather recently, that those people that were originally with David in the cave, that were distressed and in debt and discontent, were some of the very people who began to purchase and gather the materials that would ultimately be used to build the temple that Solomon would put in order. Literally, they were in debt in the cave, but they could give billions of dollars away. I don't know about you, but I want to know what was going on in that cave. Well, how could they do that? I suspect it was because God, God was able to entrust them with small things. And as they did it with a kingdom mentality, he was able to put billions in their hands. In the book of James, one more time, turn over to James, and we're coming in for that landing. James chapter 1, verse 22. It says this, listen. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. What does it say? Do you understand how many times we hear things and then we don't do it? We'll walk out and go, boy, wasn't that a good word Pastor had today? Man, that's a good sermon. I like that story he told. Boy, I laughed, I laughed. I got to remember that. I'm going to tell that joke he told. That was really funny. And you didn't get the point that was trying to be made. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, listen, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You know what that spoke to me? This is what it spoke to me and said. It said that if we don't begin to put into practice the things that the Lord says are his precepts that cause us to be triumphant, that cause us to have abundance, that cause us to prosper, that cause us to be used in the kingdom, that cause us to be distinguished in the earth, what happens is if all we do is hear it but never do it, it's as if we look in the mirror and we just see who we are in the natural and we just walk away and we just keep being the old natural person we are. I don't want to be a natural man anymore. I don't want to look in the mirror and just, and just see Kevin and just see natural. I, I want to be able to look in the mirror and be reminded that I'm an ambassador in a kingdom. That I have access to the God of the universe. That he has more than enough of what I need in order to do 
His purposes in my life. I told Tracy the other day, I said, you know that story we tell all the time about how when we were young and we were first married and in the, in the ministry and, and I made a stupid decision. I made a stupid decision. I hope this will bear witness with some of you that have made stupid decisions because I made a dumb one. We had gotten married and we were newly married and I don't know what got in me, but I just thought we had to have a new car. So could you afford it? Well, what, what difference does that make? I mean, it just we just needed it. Wasn't that the old one couldn't get me to work, but it, I needed it. You know how you always need whatever it is you want. So I made a dumb decision. I went and got the vehicle. It's a long story. But anyway, I didn't realize, you know, back in those days uh, in Kansas, you know, you had to pay property tax when you got it licensed. And man, the property tax wiped me out. New car. Wow. And uh, went home and, you know, we paid the rest of our bills. And all we had, you know the story, all I had was $5 to live on for two weeks. Of course, you've got to understand, we're in our 20s, early 20s, super early. Our church didn't teach us anything. In fact, our church kind of venerated poverty. I mean, if you were poor, you were more holy. So, you know, yeah, so we were super holy. Yeah, that's right. Man, were we holy. Think about that. People get irritated with me talking about this. Well, if you think if you think poverty's holy, then go give it all away and go be holy. Why are you holding on to it so hard? Be holy. So anyway, we're down to five dollars, and you know the story. We went out to the grocery store and we bought you know expired macaroni and cheese and and uh, you know milk and 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 bought the cheap tea stuff. Uh, you know, and we lived. I mean, we lived for. Two weeks on that $5. And, and we have told that story. And, and a lot of times we've told that story to people who are in challenging, difficult moments. And saying, you can do it. You don't have to have all of this, that, and the other. And I told Trace the other day, I said, if I could go back to that moment and know then what I know now, what I should have done was I should have put that $5 in an envelope, sealed it up, and assigned it, and got it into the kingdom. That's what I should have done with it. Because working it in the earth curse system didn't get me anything but expired macaroni. I couldn't have done any worse in the kingdom of God. Now the macaroni didn't hurt me, but I don't know that that was God's purpose for two weeks. And I know what people say, and I've said it myself, I started this whole message out. I know, I know preachers get nailed all the time because it appears as if they're taking people's very last dollar. That's not my intent. If that dollar makes you feel safe, then keep it. Keep it. Put it on the dance around it. Worship it. It's your dollar. But some of you are going to get to the place where you look at your last dollar. And you say to yourself, it ain't going to do me any good anyway. And just like that widow woman who said she had a little oil and a little cake, she was going to eat it and then die. All she had, she knew, well, I guess I'm going to die. I'm going to die two hours earlier. Woo! Because that's how God will probably get it into some of our systems. Is when we're down to, we don't have any other choice. 
until we finally let it go. And if you'll let it go. I know people walk out of here and say, Pastor Baird looked at all the poor people who are struggling and told them to give their last dollar. No, I didn't. Keep your dollar. Quote me on that one. Please, go out of here and say, Pastor Bear told all the poor people they could keep their last dollar. But I want to see God move in my life. And it's not all about money. But this has a lot to do with how we navigate this world. Folks, God told me, He told me, that the day is going to approach where we're going to build us a church. I don't know about you, but I have finally become absolutely convinced that if he don't build it, it ain't going to get built. So I better sure enough figure out how to get him involved in this. I don't know, maybe it'll be through a bank. Maybe it won't be through a bank. Maybe it'll be, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I t- I'll tell you this much, that system's got nothing for me anymore. I want to see God's hand at work in all of our life. And, and, and he will do that when we learn how to re- release and receive. Now let me ask you a quick question. How many today would say, and I'm not looking for affirmation, but I, I'm, I'm wanting connection. That you would say, whether you agree with me or not. In fact, you may disagree with me. Cool. But whether you agree with me or not, you would at least say, I get it. I get it. I'm getting it. Okay, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Okay, praise God. I want God at work in your life. I can't make you act in faith. But I can say this, God can be trusted if you act in faith. I'm not joking, I'm assigning everything. The counters won't be able to know what I'm doing because I got this code, me and God has this code worked out with the assignment. But I'm not joking, there's not an offering that hadn't gone in for the last couple of months that I haven't been assigning this stuff. Saying, Lord... I'm releasing this. I believe that's the measure. And I'm believing and expecting and thanking you it's coming my direction. Amen? Stand with me, will you? Hallelujah. Take a deep breath. No offerings coming. Amen. Come on. It's okay. It's okay. I know what some of you are saying. Can I get my offering back and assign it right now? I'd like to do that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You can start next week. Start on Wednesday night, Tuesday night, excuse me. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, this was just a real practical moment. I'm not pulling on people's emotions. I'm not not wanting to somehow rev them up to do something that they hadn't thought through. Lord, I I want a depth of maturity to come to this people. Lord, I want them from this moment on to begin to practice some precept that can forever change their personal households. Let faith begin to arise in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask this right now. How many of you would say right now that you have... And and define this right now, but you have a need, a need that only God can meet. Just lift your hand up real quick.
real high. You say, I got a need. I got a need. It's not that. Don't be ashamed of it. I got a need that only God can meet. Thank you. You can put it down. This is what I want you to just go out of this place today. I want you to pray about what would what would the Holy Spirit ask of you to get him involved in meeting that need? What is it that he might ask of you to do that you would just release it and then believe that you've received it? I'm glad for 48 hour, a 48-hour story. That's how long my story was. I believe God did that in order to demonstrate some specific things to me. Because I have assignments going on that have been out there for a long time now. But you see, that's why we live by faith. We walk by faith. Some of your needs won't be met 24 hours all the time. Sometimes God's orchestrating and moving. Sometimes God's having to do some other things in order to bring it about just at the right moment. So don't get discouraged by that. Don't get discouraged by that. But you've got to begin to ask yourself the question, if I have this need, am I just going to continue to be a needy person? Or, or will I begin to believe God, as it says in Philippians 4.19, that my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. God doesn't do that just based on the, the truth that He loves you. And he would want the best for you. I mean, that is true. But he does that in order that he might distinguish himself. And that you might testify of him. Come on, don't be victims in your need. Rise up out of that. Say, Lord, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go into some areas I've never been before. And I believe God will do some things that he's never done before in some of your lives you're wanting God to do some big things God's wanting to do it too if you will he says then I will Father you saw every hand that went up in this place people that have great need Lord I pray right now Lord that you would move on their heart Holy Spirit move on their heart I so want them to get this on their own I don't I don't want this to be some gimmick or the spirit of gimmick on it. Lord, I break that. In Jesus' name, I break cynicism and skepticism. Lord, I, I break the disappointment and the doubt that has come because something didn't work out like maybe they thought it should have worked out. Lord, could you give us a clean slate this morning? And Lord, I pray this morning that just as I got before you and said, Lord, I need a fresh moment with you so that I could teach something fresh to the people. Lord, I pray for them that, Lord, would you give them at least one fresh moment that they could taste of the kingdom, that they could taste and see that the Lord is good, that would forever revolutionize their thinking. Lord, there are some in this congregation this morning that have never done anything out of the ordinary when it comes to faith in God. Lord, I pray that you... You just move upon them and give them courage to do something out of the ordinary. So that they would, they could see their God do something out of the ordinary. They've heard the testimonies. They so want a story in their life. They so want a moment that they could fill out a card and hand it in. And hear, hear Trace just rejoice in what God has done. But Lord, let them, let them complete their faith. By moving as you would direct them. I can't define what that be Lord 
No gimmicks, no sideshows, nothing, Lord, except kingdom. Getting into the kingdom, seeing the kingdom, pursuing the kingdom, hungry after the things of the kingdom. Tell you what I'm going to do right now. There's some of you, because of your need, you're facing some crises. And I tell you what, the compassion and the mercy of God is here. I believe, and what I want to do before I go is I want to pray this morning before we go for people in their need and that God would be compassionate and merciful. And you're needing Him to move in some form or fashion. It could be financial. I talked a lot about that. But it could be in other areas too. It could be areas of sickness and disease. It could be areas of, of relationship. But, but I don't want you to leave today without being encouraged and built up because it's going to take faith to take the next step. And so if you want prayer before you go this morning, I, I want you to just slip out and come here to the wells of the church and say, Lord, before I go this morning, I, I, I want to get before you and I want my faith one more time built up. I want you to breathe life into me. I want some agreement that what's going on in my life and the need that I'm facing will be met in Jesus' name. Just slip on out. It's cool. God is compassionate and merciful and long-suffering. And if you would say, well, you know, I, I don't know that I've probably done all that I've known to do through the years. Here's the good news. You can repent and turn around and get started again. Listen, I'm just going to declare it. You don't have to catch up. God says you're forgiven. Just rise up and get started in what it is that God's asking of you. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, there, there's going to be a confidence that's coming right now to meet needs. To meet needs right now in Jesus' name. There are financial needs that need to be met right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm just going to run through. And as I run through right now, come on, that's, that's just like the Spirit of God. Just, I'm just a human being. But you just, God's just touching your life right now. He's just touching your life right now. He's just touching your life right now. See, His mercy endureth forever. He's touching your life right now. He's touching your life right now. Thank you, Lord, that deeds are being met in the name of Jesus right now. That out of your wellspring of compassion and mercy, you're meeting folks' needs right now. Hallelujah. Yes. Meeting these needs. I'm breaking fear right now. Come on. The fear is leaving you right now. The what ifs are turning into why nots. In Jesus' name. Something unusual is happening right now. He's speaking to you. I'm not talking to you anymore. God's talking to you about something important right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's talking to you right now. He's enlivening your heart for some amazing things right now. Oh, yeah. He's doing it right now. That The need is being met right now. He's talking to you. Let him talk to you. Let him talk to you. Some of you are saying right now, I, is, is that me or is that God? Come on. Come on. Just believe it to be God. 
just touching your life right now. Hallelujah. He's doing that. God's touching your life right now. Come on, sing that. Hear us from heaven right now. Just keep singing that praise. Yeah. Hear us. Hear us. Hear us. Hear us. Oh God, hear us. Hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Hear us, hear us, hear us, hear us. Hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Oh, hear us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're believing for resource coming into people's hands right now. Merciful God, meet the need, pay the bill in Jesus' name. Come on, stop the foreclosure. Open up the door of opportunity. Reverse financial circumstances in people's lives in the name of Jesus. Lord, for healing, Lord, in the name of Jesus, heal bodies in Jesus' name. Come on, no lingering coughs, no runny noses, no migraine headaches. Come on, wipe them all out. Wipe out the cancers in the name of Jesus. Wipe out the blood diseases in the name of Jesus. Wipe out the infections in the name of Jesus. Come on, we're breaking the, the fevers, the fevers in the name of Jesus. Oh God, hear us, hear us for relationships and stresses and marriages and friendships and oh God, move in these areas of families in the name of Jesus. You've got to move in this situation. Oh yes. Hear us from heaven. 
stars from heaven.